0: great And I come to you. Oh, bless me now, my savior. I come. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come. I say, fear God to thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! Then sings my soul. I say you
1: again to Alpha Omega International Uh, so glad to have you with us again today we are going back into the Sermon on the Mount and as you know from last week we sort of started a, a mini series within the Sermon on the Mount series called matters of the heart last week we talked about the Lord's teaching on the commandment you shall not murder and now we're going to hear what he says about the commandment you shall not commit adultery well let's begin by reading these verses Jesus is going to talk about adultery, but also marriage and divorce as well. So this is Matthew chapter 5, and I'll begin reading at verse 27 all the way to verse 32. Here's what Jesus says. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Wow. So let's see what Jesus says, take a closer look at what he says about this in this series called Matters of the Heart. Remember that our God, is a heart-searching God. He knows every thought and every feeling in the heart and He judges those things. And so we as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we would be wise to cry out and pray just as David did in the Old Testament, God, search my heart and find those wicked ways in me. We want a pure heart before God and we want to ensure that our heart is devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because out of the heart flow all the issues of life, matters of the heart. When we look at today's commandment, you shall not commit adultery. We also have to understand that this is probably one of the most widespread, devastating commandments to break. In other words, when you break the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You're not just breaking that one command. But in so doing you're also breaking the command you shall not lie and you're breaking the command you shall not steal and you're breaking the command you shall not covet and when you think about it as families are involved we have a commandment that we are to honor our father and our mother but in adultery we dishonor them and we dishonor their name the whole family everyone involved in the families in this adulterous affair They're all affected, especially children. And above all of these broken commandments lies the one where we are now dishonoring the Lord God Almighty. We are supposed to be serving Him and honoring Him. But when we act in adultery, we are dishonoring His name and we are giving people reason to blaspheme Him and to mock Him. We must not do such things. So the sin of adultery is very widespread and today as I talk about adultery I also want to make sure that you know we can also speak of the same things concerning fornication which is any sexual relationship outside of marriage not just adultery but when young people or anybody who are not married yet they pretend that they are married and they have a sexual relationship if that's you listening to me today you better listen carefully to what jesus says about this subject because it is serious so with that we're going to look at what jesus says we're going to outline the verses today going two verses by two verses by two and we're going to look at three things that jesus spoke of number one a look number two a pluck and number three a break so let's begin with number one a look adultery according to jesus all begins with that look and not just any look we're looking at many things and many people every day not just any look but it's what we're going to call today the the second look the look that's filled with lust that's when adultery begins according to jesus do you remember the story of eve in the garden of eden the bible says that satan came to her and tempted her to eat of the tree that God had already commanded them not to eat of. But in Satan's temptation, Eve took a look at the tree. And here's what the Bible says. After the temptation came, it says when she saw that the tree was good for food. Now I can assure you, this wasn't the first time she ever looked at the tree or saw the tree. I'm sure she saw it maybe every day walking through the garden. But this look was a different look. This is what we would call the second look. It was a look filled with lust inside. Watch what it says. When she saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes and desirable to make one wise, she then took of the fruit and she tasted it, she ate it. You know those words in the Hebrew behind pleasant and desirable, it's the same word that means lust. Lust is a very strong yet evil desire within. And sometimes when somebody lusts for something, it's almost as though they become so animal like, they become out of control and they are not satisfied until they have that thing which they desire. Lust is a dangerous thing. And the Bible says that when she took this second look, a look filled with lust, there was no stopping her. She took of the fruit. And she ate it. But the sin began already the moment she looked at that tree with lust. And the same principle lies within what Jesus says about committing adultery. This is what he says in verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. With that same look with which Eve looked at that tree, when a man or a woman looks at another with that same lustful feeling inside, they are already committing the sin of adultery. It all begins in the heart and with that second look. The Jews in the days of Jesus taught that breaking the commandment of adultery only happened at the physical act of adultery. When a husband or a wife fell in love with another and entered into a sexual relationship with that other person, only then was the sin of adultery committed and only then would they be judged. But Jesus says otherwise. It begins in the heart. Do you remember the story of the woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John? Do you know the Bible The way the way the Bible describes that story, the people who caught them in adultery, they already knew about them. They already knew something was going on, maybe by the way they looked at each other, maybe by what these two were saying to each other, but these religious leaders knew where they would be, what time they would be there, they knew how to catch them in the act. And that was the whole point, to catch them in the act. And when they brought the woman to Jesus, that's what they explained to him. We caught her in the actual act of adultery. Even though they knew these things were already happening in their hearts and in their minds, even though these ministers knew that they had plans to go further in the relationship, instead of counseling them, instead of talking to them and bringing them to repentance and to forgiveness with God and to healing and restoration which god can always do instead they waited they said nothing yet they waited and when those two were found in bed then they captured them and by then no more mercy no compassion they were ready to stone the woman when i think of that story those pharisees those ministers those religious leaders i consider them worthless shepherds because there's so much they could have done for those people in counseling and giving advice and helping them to heal and restore their own families and and marriages but they didn't do that they were worthless in their pastoral ministry you know my wife and i have met many married couples where adultery has taken place i have met one-on-one with several men from America, from Indonesia, and other places. Many men who suffer with addiction to pornography. And anytime we sit down with folks such as these who are going through a, uh, an adulterous affair or a man who's struggling with, per- with pornography, for me personally, I want to make sure that the man, that the married couple, they understand how serious this is. And I want to make sure that we deal with it swiftly, not just swiftly, but decisively because it is serious business and it must be dealt with. There must be confession to God. There must be repentance. There must be healing and restoration. I cannot ignore when a man is suffering with pornography. Shame on me if I would look at that and just kind of brush it away as though it's normal or it's something that every man does. No, absolutely not. If I were to act that way, I would be a worthless pastor. But my job is to help encourage men and encourage married couples to come back to Christ and find forgiveness and deliverance over their sin. I've met wives who, for some reason, think that it's okay for their husbands to watch pornography. Wives, it is never okay to allow your husband to be involved with pornography. It will bring devastating effects sooner or later. I've also spoken with many young people and on this topic of fornication or pornography, I speak very sternly with young people, again, because it's so serious. I am shocked to meet so many young girls, teenagers who enjoy reading pornographic novels. It's it's amazing to me how, how lustful young people can be and I know I used to be a young person and suffered through the same things but it's a serious consequence it is a serious thing if we do not find victory over these kinds of habits parents you have to watch closely to what your kids are looking at through their cell phone through their iPads or on computers watch what they're watching and Never let these things go unchecked. If you notice something inappropriate, you must deal with it and deal with it sternly. That's how Jesus dealt with it and we must do the same. Adultery begins with that second look. Number two, Jesus talks about a pluck. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And then he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And then he repeats the same exact words again. It would be more profitable for you that one of your members perish, than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Once again, remembering that woman who was caught in adultery. Do you remember Jesus showed her great compassion? Such a wonderful story. And I love how she called him Lord. And I think at that very moment by faith, she knew she was a sinner. And in her faith, she confessed that to the Lord Jesus. And by calling him Lord, put him on the throne of her heart, on the throne of her life. But Jesus did not just simply dismiss her sin. Instead, he said to her, now go and sin no more. Why did he say that? because it is serious. And she needed to take it seriously. She needed to go home and restore her relationship with her own husband and her family. Now, when Jesus says that we are to pluck out the right eye or cut off the right hand, I don't look at this as a literal plucking out of the eye. You know, if my right eye causes me to look at things I shouldn't and I pluck it out, I still have a left eye. If my right hand causes me to sin and I cut it off, I still have a left hand. There's a pastor that I heard just recently say that one of his closest friends in life struggles with lust. And that man, that friend, has been blind since birth. So just because we may not have eyes or have hands doesn't mean we are you know, incapable of lust, incapable of even committing adultery in the heart. No, what I believe Jesus is doing is teaching us the seriousness of this sin. He's teaching us the seriousness of having self-control, being disciplined, having control over your own body. Do you know what we do? We have control over what we look at and the things that we do, but what we need is self-control. The good news is that self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so we're not trying to Practice self-control, that way our relationship with God can be good. No. When our relationship with the Holy Spirit in our life is healthy, we are listening to Him, following Him, obeying His commands, the Word of God, when we're asking Him for help and for strength to walk with us and to guide us, when that relationship becomes better and grows, then out of that grows self-control. And we need self-control. men and women control our own bodies, control what we are looking at, what we are reading, what we are exposing ourselves to. And I think it's a very practical thing as far as self-control is concerned that we should be accountable to other Christian friends and family. Men should be accountable to other Christian men. And same with ladies, be accountable to Christian ladies. I also believe that husbands and wives need to be accountable to each other. I strongly disagree with any man who's at home and has an iPad or a a laptop. I completely disagree if that husband uses that for his own personal reasons and it becomes his own world that no one is allowed to look at or touch. I completely disagree and I think that only leads to danger. Husbands and wives, to me, should have access to each other's phones and computers Husbands and wives should know what each other's passwords are. My wife and I know that. In fact, my wife looks at my phone and my iPad almost on a daily basis. (laughs) But I'm okay with that because I know I'm ashamed of nothing. I'm completely open and honest with my wife. And I believe that's the way we all need to be. And Jesus is also teaching us the seriousness of hell. There is that place. Jesus used the illustration of that valley around Jerusalem. Remember, the valley of uh, Gehenna or Hinnom. It was a literal place where things were burned. There was trash. There were dead bodies. And the stench always rose and the smoke always rose from that valley. Jesus used that as a picture of a very real, eternal place of punishment. And according to Jesus, it would be better for you to pluck out your eyes, to cut off your arms, to not sin even though you're dismembered, yet to be cast into hell for eternity. Which one would you choose? If you knew the seriousness and the horror of hell, you would run from it as fast as you could. We need to have that attitude. We need to ensure that not only the fear of the Lord is in our hearts, but we do not want to be going through judgment. hell. Is a real serious place and thank the Lord he's given us a way of escape through Jesus Christ it's time to take things seriously because sin is a deadly business you know I'm so proud of our Friday night connect group because a month ago or maybe a couple of months ago they had asked me if if we could get together every once in a while and talk about specifically the topic of marriage and family. And I was so delighted to hear that. We have many young couples in that group and they all have children. My wife and I as well, we have our own children. And so we've been together to talk about marriage, to talk about the relationship between husbands and wives and how we raise our children. But I love it because everybody is honest. It can be a challenge. It can be a struggle. And the people of our Friday night group, they know that a way that they can be strengthened and encouraged to live a holy life before God is to share their concerns, to share their questions, and to share their encouragements with one another. When I think of that group, I think these are families that are serious about their marriage. They are serious about raising their family. And I'm so proud of that group. We all need people to be accountable. We all need someone in our life that can sort of watch over us every once in a while, and husbands and wives be accountable to each other. It's important. So, so far we've seen a look, a pluck, and number three, a break. Jesus says, furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, in the days of Jesus, among the Jewish people, especially the leaders of the Jews, there were two schools of thought concerning divorce. One school said, divorce should not be. They looked at what God said in the book of Malachi, God hates divorce. And they took that seriously and so they wanted to stay away from divorce at all cases and in all in all ways possible do not divorce stay married but the other school of thought they read Deuteronomy 24 verse 1 where Moses gave permission for a man to divorce his wife and give her a certificate but in the days of Jesus this was being abused by liberal people for them it all became a part of divorce became just give a certificate just make sure all the wording is correct make sure everything is in order give the certificate and it's done and what happened was men were divorcing women over the silliest things and they were doing it constantly and of course in all of these situations it all ended as a very one-sided conclusion men abusing their wives and dismissing them so easily, dishonoring them so easily. Men did whatever they wanted, but when they were tired of their wives, they just simply wrote a certificate and gave it and dismissed their wife. What a horrible way to treat a woman. One day the Pharisees came to Jesus, in fact it's in Matthew chapter 19, and they asked him the question, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And they also questioned Jesus about that certificate of divorce. Now, of course, Moses allowed that to happen in the case of adultery because the people were hardened in their hearts. And so, for the reason of sexual immorality, divorce was allowed by Moses. But here's what Jesus said to this. He said in all, From the beginning it was not so. In other words, the way God created marriage, it was not to be so that 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 marriage could be broken apart. That was never God's intent. Jesus says that in the beginning, God created them male and female. And I want you to make sure you're hearing that carefully. Because today, there are many, including Christians, that believe there are more than male and female. That there are dozens of other sexes in between no there is not god the creator says in the beginning i made them male and female and that's it there are two sexes and then jesus says the man will leave his parents leave his mother and father and he will be united to his wife and they become one he didn't say that the man will leave his family be united to his wife and they will become a master and a servant. No, they become one. And then he says, and what God brings together and joins together, let no man separate. It is not to be so that a marriage is broken apart. God never intended that to happen. Marriage is not to be broken. It is to be a covenant that lasts until death. And I also want you to remember this, God is the one who created marriage. He ordained marriage. Government did not ordain marriage. Man, no religion created marriage. Courts and judges did not create marriage. God created it. And according to God, marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. No matter what the world says, That's God's intention. And once the man and woman are joined together, they are not to be separated. That's God's desire. That is God's will. That's how God created it in the beginning. Nevertheless, there is mercy and there is forgiveness for circumstances that lead to divorce. And Jesus named one that is sexual immorality. Because in adultery, a man or a woman is already separating themselves in, in that marriage and clinging themselves to somebody else. And because that's already taken place, then divorce is allowed or permitted. But as Jesus says from the beginning, that's not what God intended ever. Now, if you're listening to me today, for those whose spouse has committed adultery, if you're a husband or your wife, and your spouse has committed adultery. I have seen such horrible situations. And yet God has healed marriages. I've noticed especially when there is a a wife who is so upset about what's happened and it seems as though it's impossible my husband will never come back to me and Every time we meet with this wife, she's crying, she's sobbing, she doesn't know what to do, she's crying out to the Lord, but I have noticed when that woman still has hope within her heart, she speaks about it. You can see it in her eyes, you can hear it in the way that she prays and the way that she cries. When you can see just at least a spark of faith and trust that God will make all things well, as long as she has that hope, I have seen the most horrible of circumstances become healed and restored. Don't ever lose hope. No matter how far apart you might feel from your spouse, no matter how horrible things have become, God can heal anyone and He can restore any relationship. And for those of you that are listening, maybe you have already been divorced. And maybe that divorce was due to adultery or. Maybe not. Maybe it was another reason. I also want to tell you, according to Jesus, all sin is forgiven. Every sin except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is a a complete rejection of Jesus Christ. Of course, that can't be forgiven. Other than that, all sin is forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ. I know that sometimes divorced couples can feel guilty, especially among a church family within the body of Christ and a divorced couple uh, or remarried couple who have been divorced, they can come to church and they stay quiet. They feel as though there's nothing they can offer. And so they would rather just be uninvolved. But I'm sure many of you who have been divorced in the past, I'm sure you could testify of God's faithfulness and mercy. I'm sure that you could also testify to the importance of prayer and seeking God's will concerning marriage. And I'm sure you could testify and you can encourage young people to submit to what the scriptures say about uniting ourselves with unbelievers. I'm sure there's so much counsel you could give to other people in the church. The point is this, God is not done with you. God still works in your life. God still loves you. God still has blessing for you. God still has you in His grip, and God can still use you no matter what mistakes you have made in the past. God still saves, He forgives, and He heals, and we all need Him as Savior, amen. Brothers and sisters, honor the Lord Jesus Christ in your pre-marriage relationships and in your marriage relationships. Be faithful to each other. Be respectful, be patient, and be humble. Love one another as Christ loves us. Well, I hope this has been a blessing for you today, and I hope it has touched your heart. Now, if you find that you are struggling in the areas of adultery or in fornication, maybe you haven't committed the actual act but it's in your heart. You've already had those thoughts. You've already looked with that second look. Ask the Lord for forgiveness. Confess these things to Him openly. Ask Him to give you strength, to help you to have self-control, to fill you with this Holy Spirit. And I pray that as you do that, and as you submit yourself to Him, that the Lord will give you victory. He will help you to overcome these temptations. Remember to be accountable to one another. And in all these things, I do believe that God will help you. We don't walk in life alone. God gives us people in life, whether it's a pastor, another minister, your own spouse, your family, or other men and women in Christ. Ask for help and be accountable to each other. And I do believe you will have victory. There's always victory with Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for joining us today. And until next time, God bless you.